Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Despite lingering uncertainties about the pandemic's economic impact and the stickiness of new consumer habits developed in response to COVID-19 safety measures, new research from Deloitte finds most consumer product industry executives are optimistic about 2021, with many adopting new business strategies that they hope will drive strong revenue growth. In Deloitte's recently released 2021 Consumer Products Industry Outlook, analysts with the professional services company acknowledge the pandemic's impact on businesses and individuals has been uneven, and recovery also will hinge on uncontrollable factors, such as the rollout of a vaccine, in the full reopening of schools, offices, and restaurants. But, it adds, a pandemic-damaged economy can still be a good one for many CPG companies. Indeed, many established packaged food and beverage brands saw sales spike in 2020 as the pandemic forced most Americans to create new habits around cooking and eating at home. And while many industry players face challenges related to supply chain disruptions, product shortages, and a shift to e-commerce as well as heightened consumer awareness of corporate social responsibility, they also implemented fundamental changes in how they do business that they expect will begin to pay out this year. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Barb Renner, Vice Chairman and U.S. Consumer Products Leader at Deloitte, details five strategies that CPG executives are adopting which promise to make this year better than last and next year better than this. These include new go-to-market strategies, rapid adoption of digital supply chain reinforcement, a realignment of business foundations, and a renewed commitment to connect purpose to profit. So over the course of 2020, many of the go-to-market strategies that companies relied on to build brand awareness, drive initial trial, and sustain repeat purchases disappeared virtually overnight when the pandemic was declared. For example, social distancing put an abrupt end to in-store sampling, increased demand for food that outpaced supply, halted in-store promotions, and fear of exposure drove more consumers to shop online. In response to what found four out of five CPG players are rethinking consumer segmentation and reprioritizing channel distribution. But only half are confident in their current abilities to do so effectively. Of particular interest and consternation is engaging effectively with consumers online, identifying whether to do so directly or with the help of a third-party retailer. According to Deloitte's research, one in three consumer products executives say that they're focusing on DTC channels, which if well executed could help them build market share and reduce the threat of competition by reducing consumer exposure to it. However, as Renner adds, there are logistical trade-offs. There's also a number of CP companies that are looking at a direct-to-consumer strategy. Those that were had some online presence and ability to get to consumers were a little bit ahead of the game. Um, but most CP companies now have a at least a, a strategy, whether it's with an, a retailer to do things differently or if they have a direct-to-consumer. 
direct cons- to consumer looks a lot of di- like a different things to different categories. So a, an example I use often is if I am buying dog food and I have one dog, I know I'm pretty much going to use the same amount every month. And so setting that in direct to consumer is a, is a high need and it is flexible enough um, to meet my need. But if you're talking about yogurt, it, that's very different, right? Because there's different, you might need your you know, if they send, if you get ten things of yogurt a month, you might find that you're not going through it or eating it at all. So it really depends on the category and then what the direct to consumer looks like, whether it's how and how flexible it is. I think now with technology, the ability to be more flexible um, exists. However, it's got to be flexible in a profitable way. So that comes with two things. So historically, the cost to um, get a direct-to-consumer channel, the cost of acquiring a, a consumer that way was very expensive. I do believe with all of the online shopping that's been happening over the last 10 months that the cost is going down. But is it still, you know, what is the cost today? And can you get that stickiness so you keep that consumer coming to you? Many CPG companies are not set up for a a pick, pack, and ship type um, selling and and price models. So it it does have a – I think there's still methods and and ways to get that, whether it be through partnership or a different relationship with a retailer or C-stores or, you know, other channels so that maybe each CPG doesn't need to have set up that own system themselves. Hand in hand with investing in e-commerce is embracing in digital first marketing approaches, which Deloitte reports is also accelerating as companies shift spending from traditional advertising to social activations and digital campaigns. I think in CPG and in consumer overall, most investment has been made at that overall engaging with the customer, making it easy. I saw many um, apps that I had downloaded um, throughout the pandemic for, you know, restaurants, et cetera, really come a long way in a very short period of time. They look different almost on a weekly basis um, because of all the investment that was being made. Online sales and marketing aren't the only places where consumer products companies are accelerating the shift to digital. Renner said many executives this year also plan to focus on their internal digital capabilities to support working from home and to reinforce their supply chains. Yeah, three out of four companies that we surveyed as part of the outlook um, for this year believe that digital will be important in 2021. And many we heard um, announcing to the public that they were doubling down on their digital spend and making investments. Um, but the, the same survey that said three out of four companies believe that digital is important, only one in four rated their maturity as high in digital. I do think that CP companies were um, a little bit late in the digital platforms. And, and when we speak digital, it's both that piece that's engaging with the consumer, but it's also digital in what I call the back of the house, so supply chain and other areas within the organization. The other piece of digital that's important is to um, talk about the work from home platforms and cybersecurity, obviously, um, with many of uh, the employees still out of the offices and at home, making certain that they have um, capabilities that allow them to work and have high productivity, but also have the ability to engage and, and feel part of the organization. One of the biggest things we hear from our CPG companies is their concern about working from home and how do they make certain the culture of the organization thrives. 
in a different survey that Deloitte did with um, Forbes, we found um, from CEOs that we interviewed, um, 13% of the population and workforce was working from home prior to the pandemic. And they see it went as high as 80%. Um, and we do see um, going forward that they do believe it. the number that um, we have in the survey is 35% post-pandemic will be working from home. And it'll be interesting because I think there will be some more flexibility in people, what they do and, and how they work. Great example is um, doing things virtually. So really setting up so with many people didn't want to um, you know, as I said before, have someone else in their plant, they could now have it done digitally where the plant manager was, you know, taking in, in with an iPad or, you know, a, a smartphone and was being able to see what was going on at the plant. Or I, I've heard of, you know, AI uh, or, or Google glasses being used to help fix some machinery so that you didn't have um, non-employees coming into the plant. A big lesson learned the hard way in 2020 was the need for supply chain resilience, which was tested not only by the pandemic, but by geopolitical events like Brexit and the U.S.-China trade war, as well as climate-related disasters. Deloitte found more than 95% of consumer products executives it surveyed cited increasing supply chain resilience as important or very important for the coming year, and 9 in 10 committed to making significant investments to improve their supply chain resilience. Despite the vigor of their commitments, Deloitte also found barely more than half of companies currently think of themselves as having advanced capabilities in this area. This was something that we saw early on in the pandemic and, and continues is some of the inefficiencies in supply chain were exposed. Um, so when if you have 40% of your business that was shipping to food service and in restaurants and now it needs to go to, through a different distribution channel, um, being flexible and building that ecosystem so you can get the packaging that you need, you can get the um, transportation that you need in different ways. And we did see a lot of innovation in this space as well, where people were building either ecosystems or different alliances so that they had some flexibility to meet the demand. If you're used to shipping, you know, big trucks um, to meet to all these different restaurants, and now it's going to a different channel of a distribution center um, for retailers, and how did you, you know, fill that gap because now you have a different transportation need. It's kind of been an evolution of thinking. So both sides of the um, this, the relationship from a retailer and a consumer product, they were trying to think of ways they can maybe review revenue streams and information differently um, and how they partner. I think there's more transparency. One of my favorite quotes is, um, you know, it used to be just in time, and now there's a mantra of just in case, <laughs> in case you need more product. I mean, obviously having uh, – I was talking to a client um, last week, and they said that some of their customers are coming to them and asking them if they can have, you know, maybe instead of – just having a monthly planning of, of product delivery they want with some backup so that they might have to have some more storage locations because their customers want some just sitting there in case they need it, um, which can be problematic because it adds, obviously, cost to to warehouse, but, but then the pricing to the customer would need to reflect some of the additional costs of keeping that inventory on hand. Other strategies for reinforcing supply chains include shortening them or investing in better data and analytics to spot potential choke points and shortages 
and quickly identify where to reroute goods and how to do so. For some, this will include relying more on AI than historical forecasting going forward. And while these changes can be expensive, Renner says consumers will reward companies that make them, especially if they do so transparently. Consumers really want a transparency in supply chain. And so that does go really, if you, if you think about it, all the way from um, the grower or, or the you know, protein company all the way through the retailer, the um, distribution method. And so really kind of thinking about, um, we, we asked a question in our survey for the executives is how important was that? And three out of four said it was um, increasingly important to the consumer. And so how can you build some of that transparency in your system when it might get, you know, the product might get relabeled a few times if it comes in a one form to the CPG company and then they further process it and then they package it and then it goes to a retailer or to a restaurant and then it changes the form again there. And how do you actually build in that transparency? So that's kind of a, a future a future driver that we see as being important to the consumer. Another top priority for many consumer products companies in 2021 will be reinforcing the foundations of their businesses, many of which suffered structural damage in the chaos of 2020. Renner says that most companies will focus on three main areas to shore up their foundations. One, cost structure realignment. Two, mergers and acquisitions. And three, a re-energized commitment to health and safety, which for many businesses means increased remote working. Probably the, the three biggest areas we see um, in investing for t- um, tomorrow's business foundations is realignment of cost structures. So um, three out of five executives we surveyed as part of this outlook said they will invest in cost structural alignment in 2021, um, helping margins and preparing for new investments knowing that there has been a fundamental shift in their business. If we go back to some of the conversation we had earlier where if you had a food service line that now needed to produce retail products, you made a a temporary shift, but now many of them might be going to a more permanent shift that allows for that agility that you may need as things change. Um, we do, we've always seen M&A as being very strategic for CPG companies, um, both with the brand rationalizations as well as uh, the um, different investments, whether, you know, if someone was known as a, a candy company, now they probably have pet food, they probably have a beverage in their portfolio, et cetera. So we do see some key areas of, of M&A, um, as well as, m and in technology and buying different, um, more diverse portfolio of companies. And then the third area that we see is really kind of the future of work, re-architecting what work is being done and working from home, but really more how is the work done and then looking at the workplace and looking at the workforce. In the course of evaluating workforces, many companies increasingly are embracing technology, as we already mentioned, but Brenner says employees do not need to see this as a threat to their job security, but rather as an opportunity. So we've been doing a human capital trends report for the last 11 years, and our 10th year last December came out really looking at not, is it human that does it, is it technology? It was really more the blending of the two, and so... Uh, there is certain work that 
we're, we're just having a fundamental shift in that there's people that don't want to do that type of work and, and technology can do it. So that is a very, it, it kind of marries the two topics together. So from a people worried about technology taking over their job, it, it's more about being having the right training so that you can do the job as it's evolving. And so uh, I think the statistic is about 65% of the jobs of the future don't exist today. And so really making certain that you're investing in your um, people and giving them the right training and capabilities so that they can perform the job needed and then obviously leverage technology for what um, you don't have people doing. The last major area in which Deloitte says most consumer product companies will increase investment heavily in 2021 will be in how they address and leverage their social responsibility to earn consumers' favor. Even before the pandemic, consumer interest in how companies treated employees, protected the environment, and gave back to their communities was on the rise. But the threat of COVID-19 brought this into sharper focus for many shoppers who saw what others risked and sacrificed to ensure food was available and could easily be accessed. We did a, a survey as part of uh, part of this outlook, and we asked what percentage of professionally managed investments in the U.S. are expected to be in this ESG space. And very, um, there was a mandate, and very surprisingly, the answer came out at 50%. That is significantly higher than what it would have come out last year. So there is a, an investment made and a goal that companies have for their organizations from an ESG perspective. Really taking those important topics that are important to your consumers and important to your employees and investing in them. I do think we'll see some new creative um, and not necessarily job titles because it will be a new title, but it will be in a way that the organization. So, so for example, digital, we've had the discussion often about is it better to have a chief digital officer or have digital embedded in every part of what you do? And depending on the organization and how they work, that unlike, you know, obviously, as we've talked about the culture, that may have an impact or maybe early on you need to do something different to have digital embrace broader and then as it really becomes a core capability, then it's embedded throughout the organization. So I think really how companies do this is going to be dependent on where they are in the process and um, just culturally the organization where they're focused. It's always good to have a good visibility and, and maybe challenge yourself too because there's a lot of companies that have a more difficult time you know, really seeing where they are versus where they would like to be. Part of it is... is do you have a lot of leaders that, that are coming from other places so they've seen different environments and different cultures versus if you've got an organization that your leadership team has been with you for a long time, it might be harder to really have that transparency. While each of these strategies will play a pivotal role in how companies continue to weather the pandemic and either rebuild or sustain business growth from 2020 through 2021 and beyond, executives should not feel compelled to take them all on at once. Deloitte encourages them to prioritize these strategies and their subcomponents by asking themselves three questions. How important is the strategy to achieving their goals in 2021? How far along are they in the area relative to their competition? And how much are they willing to invest? There are no wrong answers, but if you need help figuring them out and want to learn more, you can find both Deloitte's 2021 Consumer Products Industry Outlook and its 2021 Global Human Capital Trends Report 
on its website at www.deloitte.com under the Insights tab. Or you can find direct links to them in the story that accompanies this podcast at www.foodnavigator-usa.com. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.